0: Hello and welcome to the Improvement Nerds Podcast, where we host conversations about the things that nerd us out. The idea behind the Improvement Nerds Podcast is to invite guests onto our show and give them a platform to talk about the things that make them nerdy. And as they share their ideas, we want to explore the important question of how does that idea intersect with improvement? We're curious about multiple types of improvement, improvement of self, improvements made by teams, improvements made by organizations and communities of people, we even want to know improvement that's occurring at a larger scale, possibly with a societal impact. During each episode, we, along with our guests, will explore the topics that that person's passionate about. The things that, when they're doing them, make time pass without any effort. The things that seem more like play than they do work. The things that are possibly that person's true calling. As we explore the topics that make us and that guest nerdy, we'll explore the why behind that passion and understand the purpose that that idea is bringing to that person's life. We'll allow that person to teach us a little bit and share with us more information about that topic so that we can explore the idea for ourselves. Then we'll look at how that passion intersects with improvement. In other words, we want to know how that idea makes us better people, better friends, better employees. Better leaders, better insert whatever role might fit. We're excited to have you join us on this journey as we and our guest nerd out. Hey everyone, this is Tom. Really excited to be kicking off episode 5 with you all. It's been a journey. I've had a lot of fun creating the previous episodes and I'm really excited about this one. My guest is the author of an upcoming book, The Minivan Mogul. You can look for that shortly. Should be around summer that that book becomes available. She's also the owner and founder of Practically Speaking with Alex. You can find her on her website at www.pswithalex.com. Really excited to share her story and uh, nerd out with her as we talk about the idea of communication. Hey everyone, this is Tom with the Improvement Nerds podcast. I'm here with a special guest that I can't wait for you guys to hear from. is Alex Perry, and I've met Alex through the LinkedIn community. As I stepped out from my role in healthcare, that was our initial connection was working in healthcare and having that in our background, and then um, trying to come out and, and create something in the form of a new business that inspired people to um, pursue their passions and and through their work to take ownership of that and do things that you're in the intent to better serve their customers or to position their organizations to achieve breakthroughs. So as I started to write my thoughts about those things, Alex sought me out and a relationship blossomed from there. So I'm excited that you're here with me today and that we're podcasting together and The the, the conversations I've had with you, I've already learned so much, and I know Mm -hmm. in this podcast, people listening to this are going to learn a lot as well. So why don't you start and just give us your your background and introduce yourself.
1: Sure. So I'm Alex Perry. I am the owner of Practically Speaking, where I focus on communication and public speaking and storytelling. I come from healthcare, so that is the premise of the background of my business. So I believe strongly that we all have this incredibly precious gift of the of being able to talk that mm-hmm. we take for granted. So in my background, speech-language pathologist, I worked with people who either Lost their ability to speak or never had it to begin with Mm -hmm. due to accident or illness, injury, things like that. And so when I launched Practically Speaking, it's really to help people every day in the corporate world, in the business world, be better communicators Mm -hmm. because uh, you're going to ask me very quickly what I nerd out about. I nerd out about people talking and being able to do that effectively. Yes.
0: And um, as you and I started to build our relationship, I did some research on you. Um, you've been doing this for how long?
1: So I have been doing this for five years. Practically speaking, we'll be three years old in okay. June.
0: So oh, So mm-hmm. um how is that how's that equation work work out that the business, The this type of work is five years, but the business is three years. So were you moonlighting or talk a little bit about your launch and coming out into creating this business of yours?
1: Yeah. So when I decided that I wanted to be in coaching versus be in healthcare, so Switching from that therapist role to really a coach and supporter role, mm-hmm. I did a Google search like most people do. I actually, the truth is, is that I thought I wanted to be a CrossFit coach. I spent about three minutes looking at the viability of that option and my age and the fact that I love my CrossFit gym and don't want to go into competition with them. Mm-hmm. I'd never win anyway. <laughs> and... and <laughs> So I was like, well, what can I do? I have a master's degree in speech-language pathology. What can I really do with this? And I knew that there was a tiny little niche in speech-language pathology that looks like corporate mm-hmm. speech-language pathologists. And they really help people with accent reduction and being better communicators. I did a Google search and so happened to find a firm in Carmel who was teaching executive presence, public speaking, storytelling, accent reduction. Mm-hmm. And she happened to be hiring. Mm.
0: Double whammy. Double right? whammy. Yeah, is right so, up dun, your eye?
1: Dun, dun, <laughs> yeah. And I, so I sent in my application, I applied for the job, and I got the job. I learned a ton. Mm-hmm. And I also learned, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs learn this, that it's, it can be a slippery slope working with another entrepreneur who has, has their, very much has their model in mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm a nonconformist, especially in the realm of public
0: speaking. Okay, so nonconformist equals boat shaker, right? Like,
1: i don't always want to play by the rules and i want to test things out and see if they work and i'm a firm believer that especially in the world of public speaking that there's there needs to be some changes made Mm -hmm. we need to shake this up a little bit and we need to change how we're looking at and evaluating people on their communication skills that many times we're assessing them in the wrong areas Mm -hmm. so anyway all of that to say i left that job and still moonlighting as a speech language pathologist. And I had decided there's no way, there's no way I'm opening my own business. Mm-hmm. Lots of people are saying, do it, yeah. go for it. I'm like, no, I'm not a business owner. I have no interest in this. Mm-hmm. I'm not an entrepreneur. I will not. Uh-uh. No, thank you very much. I mm-hmm. left that job in April. And so moonlighting, I'm trying to figure it out. I end up at a church sharing part of my personal story, Mm -hmm. talking about how I left this job, wasn't sure what I was going to do, blah, 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 blah. I get done with the talk. A Mm -hmm. woman comes up to me afterwards and says, Hey, Alex, I want to hire you. I'm like, but I don't really have a business. I mean, I had the idea. You it do, was, now. It, I yeah. do now. I do now. Thanks, thank you to my <laughs> my very first nudge. client. Who, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you're in a church for goodness' sakes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the whole world telling you you should do it. Yes. So
0: all signs point to yes. All signs point to
1: yes. So I went home. I looked at my husband Clark, and I said, Well, I think I'm going to give this business a go. He's like, okay, two months. We'll see if it works <laughs> out. That's a solid business plan, by the way. Yeah months and so i launched practically practically speaking i got a little five dollar fiverr
0: business card that looks like star wars it's mm, really that's a good design aesthetic for almost any business and you oh, yeah. i would purchase and consume any services that had star wars associated with it like it's just well got i that said looks it. like oh yeah i forgot the like word
1: the like word which is really important because anyway it Thank you to the person on Fiverr who designed it for $5, but it got me started. <laughs> <laughs> and so from there, I bootstrapped my way to here in yes. almost three years of doing this on my own.
0: Great. And I've, I've seen your network and the influence that you have through LinkedIn. So in that three years, I'm sure you've met a lot of wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, I think it's interesting that coaches, as we seek them out we think like they've got it all put together and you're one of those coaches who will admit i'm still learning and i think also probably in your journey you'd say that you've learned just as much about this type of work from the people you were coaching and advising and getting you know their perspectives on on life i think it's that relationship between mentor and mentee that oftentimes like the mentor is the one who benefits the most so i'm sure as we continue this conversation we're going to hear stories about things that you thought you knew that as you went out and you worked alongside these people and you tried to help them in some ways they were helping you so oh amen
1: yes Yes, absolutely absolutely so true
0: what an awesome journey and thanks for getting us started and sharing your background uh so we did kind of mention you put it out there that there's something special that makes you nerdy (laughs) so i'll let you revisit that what is that one thing that nerds you out
1: I am a nerd about all things communication, all things talking. Okay. So if it's talking about talking and how to be a better talker, then let's talk about that, okay. please.
0: So, and you're not wearing glasses right now, but no, I maybe. picture you like have just pushing them up, up the bridge of your nose right now. Putting
1: my hair back in a ponytail and saying, "Let's go!" Like rolling up my sleeves. <laughs> can, can we? Can we please
0: talk about this? Yes. yes. So you, we talked about. little bit of the how you got into this Mm -hmm. um, from like a professional perspective but to to get on a pathway like this to become a a clinician around speech speech language pathology you had to have gone through extensive education Uh, so your journey had to start well before you actually formed a business as you decided you wanted to be a clinician and you wanted to help people communicate as a caregiver and that just eventually led to you being a business owner. But what led you to want to enter this field um, before you got this education and started down this path?
1: So, as far as becoming a speech language pathologist, it really started with knowing that I wanted to be a caretaker, that I wanted to take care of people. I initially started off in nursing, okay, and so landed in a some type of. Awful molecular biology course.
0: that was completely unprepared for. Yeah, I would have been out too. Like, yeah, I was I left interested in, and curious, and then if no, I had a little class like that, I'd be like, done, We're leave this to the press. Yeah,
1: I'm done. So I walked out and I panicked and I'm thinking, I don't, well, I got into the nursing program. Please get me out. <laughs> and I don't know what to do. And at the time, I'm in college with my sister and lived with my sister. And so she looks at me and she's very analytical. She's just, she's very. She's, incredibly smart incredibly smart with numbers and so she does a very quick review of all of the jobs that were Mm -hmm. popular at the time and she finds speech language pathologists and she says look this is on the top ten list of jobs Mm-hmm. Uh, in an upcoming careers i had a speech language pathologist when i was a kid and she did she had an s problem mm-hmm. and she's like i loved her and i think you have that kind of personality so let's check that out so mm-hmm. i took a one on like a one class mm-hmm. and thought yeah this this looks good this looks good. And so I launched into the program and did all the work and explored all of the things. I was one of those therapists who said it didn't matter if it was a brand new NICU baby or Mm -hmm. if you were 105, if you were a human, I -hmm. wanted to work with you. So I did all the things in speech language pathology throughout my career. Okay. And then ended, ended it, it brain injury, um, did that for six and a half years and worked at community Mm -hmm. on the brain injury unit. So I
0: think Um, in in your promo video for your business Mm -hmm. as you talked about the extremes uh, that led you to understanding the necessity to make this leap was those patients that you worked with towards the end of your career and that uh, catastrophic event likely happened uh, wasn't wasn't planned that person had plans other than that Mm -hmm. and those plans now um, can't be communicated, or the visions they had in their head it can't be spoken, and it was kind of like a wake-up call in some ways, at least interpreting your video, that no one should wait to to the point where something has happened that now, now is uh, the catalytic event to where they want to say something and they just can't because there's you know no rewinding the clock. This has happened and this is still a person here, but they just can't share the information the way that they could have beforehand. So you wanted to go out and try to beat that clock and help people say what they needed to say Mm -hmm. without ever risking being silenced for some other reason.
1: Yep. Absolutely. You phrased phrased that very well. Thank you. Yeah,
0: And that was like a three minute video and I loved every minute of it because that's, I felt like behind the scenes, that was what was obviously anyone who watches this video, they're going to see that you're very passionate In the video, you're talking with your hands. There's tons of energy, (laughs) but it's also really, really real that none of us know what's going to happen in our lives, and we can't take any one moment for granted. Whatever situations we find ourselves in, let's be present and participate and try to um, communicate and let people who are there around us know that we love them and appreciate them. Mm-hmm. That whatever ideas we have in our heads, that we want to share them with others and invite them to offer their ideas too. So that that little video just—I was hooked after watching it. And I, thank you. So people listening to this, find that video, and I guarantee you, you're going to be hooked too. Yeah.
1: It's so interesting that you say that because it it extrapolates out into so many genres for people. So obviously there's the tie at home and with the people that we love, but also Mm -hmm. at work and being a great communicator at work. And how many times have you walked out of a meeting or conversation and thought, I wish I had said, yes, I wish I had spoken up about if only they knew my idea. Yes. Or... Many of the folks that I work with have a have a personal leadership story or something that they want to share on a stage or in a presentation. And they're so terrified to do it. Nobody wants to listen. Who's going to be interested? I'm not that special. Yeah. And I look at every single person and say, you have no idea. Number one, how much your idea is needed, how much your voice is needed, how Mm -hmm. badly someone else needs your story, even if it doesn't sound like somebody else's story or it's been a story that's been told a thousand times. Yes. We need to hear it from you because you are what makes it unique, not necessarily the idea itself.
0: Yeah. And I think this gets us to the question about why is this a passion of yours? And it's very obvious that you see a person's voice has a gift. And that through that gift, they're able to to do amazing things, but oftentimes they're not exercising that gift due mm-hmm. to limiting beliefs or fears. So in some ways, you're that person who's showing up and helping them to understand there's really nothing to be afraid of. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your why and why this is such a passion for you, like getting people to use that voice.
1: So, why it's so important for me, aside from just being exposed to so many people and watching what happens when you don't speak up or speak out, Mm -hmm. for me, this has been a challenge my whole life as well. Mm -hmm. So, I'm a naturally decent talker, I -hmm. know how to speak, I'm fairly articulate. And standing up and sharing my story, standing in it and owning all the pieces of it. Mm That's been challenging and sitting in meetings and knowing I acutely know what it feels like to have not raised my hand or Mm -hmm. to have... Walked out and thought if I had only shared that idea, I've also been on the flip side of that and shared an idea and had it not go well Mm -hmm. or gotten the feedback, uh, you know, your timing is off or this is wrong. So there's an aspect of I understand that. And I also understand the feedback piece that looks like you should change how you communicate to make me happy.
2: Mm.
1: And that's I have a real rub with that piece of that. I say it like this. Do you remember being in elementary school when a teacher had you get up to present and you had to you had to hit all of these check marks mm-hmm. and then if you didn't Right? so if you didn't stand up straight, if you wiggled too much, if your eyeball went crazy, or if you yeah. tried to do something creative that didn't match with that other person's their formula, their yeah. formula, then you were somehow wrong. And I think that's the wrong way to go about teaching people how to communicate because mm-hmm. communication is this beautiful rainbow of abilities and styles and yeah. textures. It's, that, it's huge. It's huge. And we... I think instill a lot of fear and a lot of suppression and a lot of conformity yeah. into how people communicate, and I think we're doing a disservice
0: and I think in those in your definition of communication, um, you were giving great examples, but beyond those spoken elements of communication, mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about communication without words and more at a human or emotional level because in some ways um, people aren't taught to communicate those things either that they've got barriers or things in their past that have prevented them to talking about emotion or interacting uh, or responding to each other's emotions
1: the unspoken communication rules often taught at home Mm -hmm. so if i asked you right now to say what were the unspoken communication rules that you learned at home You can probably think of something. Oh, yes. Right? So right away I go to, if my dad, and we tease him about this so I can talk about this, and if Mm -hmm. he listens, he'll know exactly what I'm saying. But my dad wouldn't have to say a word. But if you heard him go.
0: In through the nose. In
1: through the nose. And then. (laughs) That meant stay away. Mm. He's Mm. about to lose his patience. He doesn't need to say a word. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to see him. Right. All you have to do is hear that, and that's an unspoken communication. Call. Yes. And we learn those things about each other the closer we are in
0: proximity. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's both of us coming from healthcare. Mm. I was just at a conference, and they were showing up on the um, display during the keynote a picture of a patient who is uh, diabetic and going through their medications, and the person asked, talk to me a little bit about what you see in this photo. And almost everything people listed was an emotion that this person feels Mm. overwhelmed or alone or isolated or confused. Like, there was no writing on that picture. It was just a person in a moment in a situation, and what everyone talked about was the emotions that person was feeling. And the presenter said, we as humans communicate most naturally through emotions and language is something that like we use to try to interpret those emotions and mm. everyone was like he basically mic dropped on all of us. Yes. It's like and in healthcare right now, there's so many agendas and tools and technologies that exist that our communication is crowded out by noise. And we're not allowing ourselves to actually experience each other's emotions, which is that initial point of communication, and then having an actual conversation about those feelings and those events. And where we're at in our world right now, communication is just becoming more challenging because it's surrounded by so many noises. I think the most meaningful communication is person to person. And that's somewhat not cool anymore. Well,
1: and and people have labeled it as hard. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's easy to look at a tablet and type something. Yes. And it's very a very different beast to look someone in the eye and say that same thing. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, we so back to healthcare. You're under these tremendous time constraints and billable mm-hmm. hours, and let's go, let's go, let's go, and you're trying to check all the protocols and all the boxes, and, yeah. and you've never. Or perhaps barely met that other person's eyes to know, are they in pain? Yeah. Are they, where where are they? Can I read them? And Mm -hmm. you make that point so well, you take a person who's got a brain injury and they physically can't tell you. So you're looking for all the signs of what might be wrong. Are they fidgeting Mm -hmm. in their chair? If they're fidgeting, why are they fidgeting? Mm -hmm. What does this particular type of fidget mean? Because sometimes it's different when there's one fidget that you're driving me crazy and the other fidget is I have to go to the bathroom. Right. Yeah, And you have to become a master at looking at body language and and being willing to be in the space and put aside the pen, the paper, the the tablet, the phone.
0: Yeah, I think that's not just true in healthcare for the caregiver to patient interaction, but it's probably something you're experiencing because I know you don't just coach people in the healthcare sector, but across Mm -hmm. multiple industries that even... um, in those settings, this thing is played out over and over and over that everyone has pressures on them to be productive or to fulfill a requirement or check a box. So almost all of their interactions within the workplace, and I'll be honest, like sometimes it flows into the household. There's certain times where, you know, I'm having a conversation with my wife and I'm distracted and I'm not fully present. But, you know, in these situations, uh, one, like we're not, adequately prepared to communicate in that way where it's face-to-face or person-to-person or about emotions like we just haven't stretched those muscles Mm -hmm. so that's one thing but in the workplace like emotions are taboo it's like you shouldn't have emotions at work so talk a little bit about like when you work with maybe an executive leader who's trying to communicate to their organization or to someone that they're responsible for leading and kind of what like barriers you're seeing play out in that person's life.
1: So if I'm talking with, a, you know, an executive, a senior level executive, I can point out a scenario I just had where I'm in between a senior, you know, a, a senior level executive and then the, the VP. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in the conversation and he's listening with the ear of how can I fix this? How can I get this done? Mm-hmm. and do it quickly and efficiently. And then this VP is coming from the angle of, I need to talk this out mm-hmm. and I want to process this through and I want your input and it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a direct speaker and an indirect speaker. So I see much of that and I see a lot of conflict between those two styles. Mm-hmm. So somebody get to the point and somebody who needs to talk it out. And I watch them their language is different so he's Mm going to be short quick and abrupt she's going to talk about her feelings Mm -hmm. and so pointing out to him saying okay mr senior level she just said feel so we need to acknowledge the fact that she said feel because she's talking about an emotion so when you hear that word that's what she's talking about which means your response needs to be couched in in this way or on the flip side I look at her and I say, okay, when you go to someone like this, I want you to think about what do you really need? Mm
2: -hmm. Do you need
1: acknowledgement of your feelings? Some validation? Do you need brainstorming or do you need feedback that looks like evaluation? Mm -hmm. So am I doing a good job on a scale of 1 to 10? Give me an evaluation of my skills. Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of those things happening. Mm -hmm. I see more people being willing to talk about emotions in the workplace. Because it's ultimately gonna be unavoidable, we talked about the industrial mindset mm-hmm. that we are all coming from, right so industrial era mindset that sounds yep. like productivity and inputs and outputs, and oh, there was a word results you, and results yes and and all of those things, and we're not machines, and we're starting to see this push for wait a second we can't continue to operate like machines nor do we think like machines we really do think based on emotion and we cannot shut that off Mm -hmm. so how do we acknowledge them how do we use them productively or you know effectively in the workplace
0: yeah i see such a huge need for for people with your background and your passion to help people continue to develop their communication skills Mm -hmm. because in certain institutions so you have that industrial mindset and beyond that there are the organizations that prepare you to work and contribute and add value to those organizations so you take my background i have a degree in finance Mm. like Communication, as part of my core curriculum, was like my freshman year in undergraduate. So I went through seven years of uh, college education, and the the further I got into the curriculum, it became more about the analytics. So so many people who are living in the business world, they show up ill-prepared to actually become an effective communicator. And oftentimes, they don't even know that their communication is broken. So some ways you're there and you're helping people wake up to realize that what you think is effective might not be. And there's tools that maybe you weren't exposed to in your education that you need to become aware of and practice intentionally to become a better communicator.
1: Mm -hmm. I like that you say practice because Mm -hmm. there is no end point for learning how to be a better communicator. There Mm -hmm. isn't a certificate that says you can't just
0: graduate you don't just
1: graduate from the community even the people with communication degrees hopefully i don't make them too mad but the- it's a practice mm-hmm. and being a good communicator is something that is learned and honed over time yes and that we're going to get it wrong lots and lots of times so being willing to own that mm-hmm. and then figure out how to get yourself into and out of that
0: and the Uh, and i'm curious what your opinion is but really the only way to measure the effectiveness of your communication is through the feedback Mm -hmm. that you get so you send a message and as you send that message you're looking for a response either in what that person says but mostly in what that person does so you know in whatever relationship or whatever situation might be it's you're trying to communicate the only way to truly measure whether or not communication has been successful is in the response of that other person mm-hmm. which so how do, is how else would you kind of add to that or maybe explain it a different way well, how do you measure effective communication
1: uh, i'm a i would say yes and i would add self-reflection mm. so looking at did I achieve the communication goals I set out for in that particular event? Mm-hmm. So many times we view communication as one-dimensional. Did I get my idea across?
0: Yeah. Is it out of my head? And is it out of my on head? On someone else's plate. And on someone else's
1: <laughs> plate. And did I say? Did I say what I needed to say? Mm-hmm. So to loop this back just for a second, you you asked me what I saw in the workplace. I think I would be remiss if I didn't say what I see is a lot of talking and not a lot of listening. Mm -hmm. And so I would measure effectiveness of communication of how well did I understand what the other person said to me? Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Was I
1: able to paraphrase that back? Was I able to then respond in a way that was helpful and productive and meaningful to them Mm -hmm. versus so much of what I get requests for is I want to get my message across. And that's true. Mm -hmm. That's 100% right, and I will always help with that. And communication is reciprocal. Yes. So we've got to work on the listening piece. Yeah. A lot. I agree. A lot. (laughs) How do you like that
0: for a fancy word? (laughs) I, I have been by people who will give me that feedback that i'm not always effectively listening Mm -hmm. so i had to because i would hear an idea and my mind loves to take ideas and just run with them so as soon as someone said something that piqued my interest like my mind shut off from what was being said to more of thinking down the road to how that idea can mature and grow and be executed because i love to implement my background um but i realized that i gotta stick with that person because what they said that piqued my interest was really just the start of what they were trying to communicate. So yes. I learned in improv a game, it's called First Word, Last Word. So I'm guessing you've played some improv games. Yes. And it was <laughs> to stick with that person until they're done with what they were saying. You have to listen to the very last word they say. You have to take the last letter in their last word and make it the first letter of your first word. Oh! And so, you know, that was my team's way of, like, saying, Tom, like, sometimes you hear our ideas and you cut us off before we're all the way done, or we can see, like, your eyes start to dream a little, and we just want you to have a tool that helps you stick with us all the way until we're done. So that was one of the tools that helped me. And as you'd said, like, improving your communication as a journey mm-hmm. and that one's been one tool I've relied on and I know there's so many more out there and I can't wait to, to learn and benefit from them because I want to be both an effective communicator but mostly I want to be a better listener mm-hmm. so
1: yes well and the the best tool for listening is can I repeat back what the other person said with accuracy with confirmation and we don't like to do that because That makes us feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It makes us feel like we're in psychotherapy sometimes. And it's also very, very affirming for the other person. Let me make sure I got this right. Here are the three things that you said. Also, knowing that if you're going to say something in the middle of someone else talking, asking a question, are you finished? Mm -hmm. Is this a good place for me to ask you something? Is there more? yeah i like i'm a big fan of the question what else Mm -hmm.
0: tell me more tell me more Uh, what
1: else is there and then you know i've actually heard that you're supposed to ask that five times that's a lot most people maybe get one or two Mm -hmm. but asking what else what else what else so that other person really has the chance to give you all the details whatever their idea their concept their need their problem And and digging deep into that and then being able to tell it back to them and allowing them the opportunity to tell you that you're wrong. If Mm -hmm. you said, if you didn't get it just right.
0: Yes. So I, in facilitating teams in my um, role, I was oftentimes the liaison between a a sponsor Mm -hmm. who had an expectation um, to get a A target met or achieve a certain goal and then I would facilitate a team to execute on that work to come up with the solutions to have done the analysis to break that problem into smaller more actionable targets kind of thing so I was oftentimes that liaison and with every team I'd work with when that team would go to report out Their recommendations are their findings that would be shared with the sponsor, who has a lot of demands of them. You know, they're in a role in which people really value their time and uh, ask for a lot of it. So, just having them in the room and being physically present was always something that conveyed to those teams that you're important. The work you did is important. So, being physically present and not on the phone when critical information is being shared is Mm. something that I know is it's a must-have when you're working with an organization or working with project teams to help them feel heard and then those ones that did it really really well they always would take and hear those recommendations and then repeat them back yes and that so that was what you were kind of saying Mm -hmm. is that and it was it was like uh, the rewards and recognition of the team like that just by listening to those teams ideas repeating that you understood what their ideas were and then giving them the opportunity to implement those ideas, that relationship between that project team and that sponsor lost them because there was trust there. Yes. And I, that was, in some ways, that's why I'm addicted to the work that I do, because I love watching those parts of an organization, uh, someone in sponsorship who's really far removed from the everyday work, and then the operators who actually deliver those processes day in and day out. Sometimes they're like worlds apart. But yeah. when you do projects like this and you bring those two together, the relationship that gets created is always better than whatever solution they plan to implement because now there's an environment where they can rely on each other. Mm -hmm. And that's that's facilitated by communication. Yep.
1: When we talk about being heard, I think sometimes we confuse being heard with someone else having to take action mm-hmm. many times a person is looking for did you hear me i'm not necessarily asking you to fix this mm-hmm. i'm not necessarily asking you to change it but it's really important for me that you heard me
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then we can talk about all the other pieces and the whys and the why nots but you don't get to move past that until the other person knows knows that been heard
0: yes so important i i I agree and that is an important event in any any interaction between people Mm -hmm. so one of the other questions i asked my podcast is how does this passion of yours intersect with improvement and i think we touched on a lot of intersections of people leading teams or trying to communicate a goal um it sounds it could even be a husband and wife or spouses having a conversation some of the things you were talking about make sense in a one to one relationship and a one to many relationship but i want to ask that question of you is how how do you personally see communication intersecting with improvement
1: i mean my very blunt and flip <laughs> response is you don't improve without communication mm. how tell me where In improvement that you don't need it,
0: Mm -hmm. I and I I think that'd be a great question of to the the listeners of this. Like you could think, I I is
1: there is there a place where communication is not necessary for improvement? I don't think that I would be hard pressed.
0: So I I can't think of any (laughs) off the top of my head, and I've been involved in a lot of organizational transformations. Um, even even talking to yourself even mm-hmm. self improvement you yes. can't effectively improve yourself unless you communicate to yourself that that positive voice changing mm-hmm. changing the the way you talk to yourself your talk style that communication is also shown to help people improve the way that they talk to themselves so I think you your your bluntness is accurate i I agree that you you're never gonna improve unless you first learn to communicate effectively
1: mm-hmm. and to continue to continue to try to communicate effectively to uh, back to practice and working that through i mm-hmm. love that you brought up how you talk to yourself because i firmly believe mm-hmm. that how you talk to yourself impacts how you communicate with other people mm-hmm. so if you are in your head Telling yourself all the head trashy, terrible things mm-hmm. that eventually leaks out to other people.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I'm assuming when you work with your your clients and help them in their journey, uh, has their guide self-talk is likely a piece of that puzzle, too.
1: Absolutely. Listening it's amazing when you stop and listen to how other people will talk about themselves Mm -hmm. and the things that they would say about themselves that they absolutely would never say about another person unless they really hated them. Mm -hmm. And that's a different story. But the, the way that people talk to themselves is a, heartbreaking in many instances and in a lot of high performers so i think about people in improvement a lot of high performers have used this to their advantage well when i am hard on myself i work harder and then i get better and then i Mm -hmm. do better and so this has been a really effective tactic for me and it is effective right so it's it's the military version of you know Mm. that guy like yelling in your face yeah,
0: like the stoic approach the
1: stoic approach which will get you places. I won't say that it won't get you to mm-hmm. improvement, but I would argue that if you want exponential improvement, if you shift that voice. Yes. You then you become endlessly powerful with how you can be, how you can communicate mm-hmm. and the way your communication impacts other people.
0: And I, in our first exchange when you and I got together, I know that something you do for the people that you interact with is to help them realize the words they use when they talk about themselves. So when I, I was sharing, you know, I have a goal, I want to do this, which is put ideas in a book and create it. And I said, I'm already got a start on it. But I said, I want to write a book. And you said, well, you need to restate it mm-hmm. that you are writing a book. Mm-hmm. And or I want to run a marathon. Or I to whatever the goal is. If you change the way you talk about that goal and objective, the energy is different, and that's going to make it more likely to occur.
1: Mm-hmm. Same with writing it down. Yeah, I know I'm sure you've taught this, where you write you write something down. Mm-hmm. The likelihood that you will then pursue and achieve that is much much greater. So same with how you talk. If you mm-hmm. give yourself those wiggle room words. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna. Yes. I'm gonna do this. Well, gonna is pretty non specific.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, <laughs> I am
1: writing a book. Yes. The end.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do this. And that's been something that I was very fortunate to have mm-hmm. um as part of my running career. Oh, it yeah. is those coaches who would make me be specific about the things I wanted to achieve and that led over into doing endurance races so i when i would dream about doing an ironman and stuff and i would talk to people that i wanted to share that experience with you know like they would express interest too and then i would wait for that interest to manifest into action and it sometimes it didn't because they came up they weren't talking to themselves in a way that made them realize that that was totally something they could do Mm -hmm. so as i you know competed in marathons or an Ironman, the only way I crossed that finish line was because I told myself I was and that I was capable of it. And it was all when you're you know, ready to give it up, you just have to assess how am I talking to myself in this yes. situation? Is this adding the energy I need to actually do this or is it pulling the energy away, maybe in the form of an excuse? Mm. <laughs> and my coaches would not allow any excuses, and um, I'm thankful for that because i've I haven't experienced my capabilities as an athlete because of that, and yes. doing some amazing race experiences, and I shared them with my family and my friends, and I hope I role modeled to them that if you tell yourself you can do it, you can yeah,
1: so I am There's great power in I am Yes. For sure.
0: I've been, oh man, I, I love this conversation, <laughs> everything we're talking about, but we're going to have to bring it to an end. Maybe there's another episode for you and I later down the road. But yeah. As I bring this to an end, I, I know that the story you just shared and the conversation we just had, had had to have rang true with some people who are listening to us. So for those people, I want to make sure they know how to find you. Sure. What ways can they get connected?
1: So I'm on all the social media outlets. I'm Alex Raffado Perry on LinkedIn. I am at PS with Alex on. I'm on Twitter, but honestly, if you connect with me on Twitter, you're never. I, the tweeting thing yet i'm getting there um but at ps with alex on instagram and on facebook you can find my website at www.pswithalex.com and or you can email me at alex at pswithalex.com that's a lot of alexing i know it's a lot of alex yes but that's good don't (laughs) worry
0: i will put those in our podcast notes as i share this and that way people don't have to memorize those links um, but yes, finding you on LinkedIn, it's been a lot of fun cause you're very active on there and you mm. share, um, celebrations for the people that you're helping. And yeah. I love to watch these people blossom. So that's, cool. that's been my favorite medium to follow you is through LinkedIn. So, um, I do want to end with one last question though. Mm. And I already told you that this question <laughs> so is a only? good question. Yeah. So what's the next big, scary thing that you're going to do?
1: all the things. So the next big theory, I have two. Can I say two? Yes. All yeah. right. So because they, a yeah. little, <laughs> always have something on the calendar. Yes. <laughs> so they're tied together. So I wrote a book called Minivan Mogul and it's a crash course in confidence for women. Mm. And so that, I've done the big, scary part of writing it and getting it out, and it's at a publisher and all of those pieces, so it's coming out. Okay. But the next big, scary piece that follows that is the podcast
2: mm-hmm. that
1: is all around Crash Courses in Confidence for mm-hmm. Women. So I am incredibly pumped about that also terrified I speak all the time and I still you can put a microphone in front of me and I'm like I forgot what I was going to say yeah. I need to re-record that microphone I have, syndrome I have all the classic human things that people have
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: have the passion and the willingness to go out there and try anyway so
0: okay. so you've got a book yeah it's written it's done it's coming out when so we'll
1: tentative be- date is in end of May Okay. So I hate, uh, we're in the process of figuring all those pieces out right now, but it mm-hmm. should be in hands in you can summer.
0: You say May-ish.
1: May-ish. Yeah, and May-ish. then
0: that is like a rounding that yeah. people will come up with six themselves. Months. <laughs> yeah, six months rounding.
1: Like, what, how do you define ish?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Back to communications. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so in that, you're, there's some events and activities you're doing surrounding the, the launch, right? You're going to podcast. Yes. And then promote. yes so you're going to be doing some speaking engagements and promoting it
1: yes linking indie women will be the first place where i talk about the book and then plan on talking about it with anybody that'll listen to it Mm -hmm. and yeah all of the things there'll be a book launch that is
0: a that is a big scary thing
1: uh yeah
0: but you've got an amazing tribe of people that are going to help you to do it and to have fun while doing it, Yes. it, it makes. Yes. In some places, you know, it's it's a heavy lift to, to do it and get it out there. Yes. Um, but as you've done it, you're gonna have such an, a profound impact. Your scale, your ability to reach and connect with people, it's it's gonna happen, and it's gonna be totally worth it. And your tribe's going to help pull it all together. Don't, yeah. don't think you're going to have to do it all on your own.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't. So uh, there's a quote in the book that I love that I wrote. It's actually my own quote, which is, a, a minivan trumps a Maserati every time. Because there are always, there is always room for more people in a minivan. That's true. So when you say tribe, I'm like, come on.
0: Yeah, let's load them up. Load them up. <laughs> up,
1: everybody. I will take all of the people that I can get
0: oh, all day man. long. I look forward to that release and to, yeah. to reading that book and to celebrating it with you. Thank you. Very exciting. And thank you for coming on Thanks and for sharing me. your story. And we'll see where things go from here. I'm going to wait with bated breath to watch that book come out.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.